I think if you take any topic of current events or academic issues, like you can always find a gender equity lens to that. And so helping students really understand that basically everything can be examined within a gender equity and social justice lens. Hi, everybody. This is Marcy Bullock, and welcome back to season six of Wolfpack Career Chats. In this segment, we are highlighting on-campus services and resources. Why should you use them and how can they benefit you? Enjoy. Hello, Wolfpack fans. Today, we have the new director of the Women's Center on our campus, Janine Cawson. Hi, Janine. Hi, Marcy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's delightful for us to have this conversation today because I know a lot of folks are excited about the resources available in the Women's Center. But before we dive into that, will you tell our audience a little bit about who you are and who you serve in this new role as director? Well, thanks, Marcy, for the opportunity to um, record this today. Um, as I said, my name is Janine Carson. I use she, her pronouns, and I've been at NC State for a little over five years um, in the role of director. I've been for the past one year officially. We are one of the four campus community centers on campus that really looks, we're, we're housed under the Office for Institutional Equity and Diversity. And each of our four centers really provides a community space for students. Our space in particular is focused on examining the links between gender equity and social justice. We do serve students of all gender identities and sexual orientations, which is something that I think when you have a name of the Women's Center, people assume that that's just for women identifying folks. And I just want to make that clear that our space is available for anyone who's interested um, in learning more about gender equity and social justice, passionate about this community or anything along that spectrum. And we are located on the fifth floor of Tally Student Union open 8.30 to 5 every day. So encourage folks to come just be in our space and learn and, and explore with us. That's a wonderful introduction, Janine. And I appreciate you mentioning that all people who identify with all genders and non-binaries are more than welcome. I actually teach a class on campus called Women in the Workforce, and I got so excited when I had some students that did not identify as women. I was like, welcome to our crusade, and you're going to learn so much. So why do you do the work you do? Um, well, I've been doing gender equity and social justice work for over 20 years, probably almost 25 years at this point, and I really come from a background of policy and advocacy, law and international human rights. And this is something that's always been a passion of mine. And I have really enjoyed working directly with students to help them understand where their voice is, how to amplify their voice, how to advocate for these issues, whatever those issues may be. And I think if you take any topic of current events or academic issues, like you can always find a gender equity lens to that. And so helping students really understand that basically everything can be examined within a gender equity and social justice lens. And so whatever that might look like for any individual student, that's what we're here for to help you kind of navigate that, understand where there are places for you to plug in your voices and to take leadership around some of these issues. 
Oh, that just warms my heart hearing you say amplifying voices. That is so meaningful. And 25 years in the field, how lucky are we that we've got all of your expertise in social justice and gender issues. What is something right now that you think as of this moment, I know there are many things that's on your mind when it comes to these topics that you're so passionate about? Oh, what's not on my mind? I feel like every night, I, I my background is also in political science. I was my undergrad major. So I kind of always am very invested in looking at politics and looking at the news. So even every night when I look at the news, it's, you know, there's just so much going on. I think right now there's a lot of weather related incidents. Uh, we're in the summertime, a lot of connection to climate change. And I think even thinking about what is the gender equity issue and link to climate change is something that I would love to see spoken more about because I think we have a lot of interest in addressing this issue. But until we start looking at a nuance around like how folks of different genders might be disproportionately impacted by the effects of climate change. We may never be able to address it holistically if we're not looking at individual experiences that may be impacted differently by different solutions. So that's something that just comes to mind right now. Of course, we have a lot of issues related with voting rights and Supreme Court and decisions that are being made and really thinking about how we can encourage this generation of young people to get out there and vote and make their voices heard. Like I said, I think a lot of times when people think about this generation, they think about future leaders. And I always try to reframe that as this generation already are leaders and they may not have all of the same platforms that other people have because oftentimes our politicians aren't necessarily keyed into what their issues are. Let's think about student loan forgiveness, think about home ownership and all of the economic issues that are impacting this generation. And there's a lot at stake, a lot on the table for young people to be invested in and, and starting to learn. And if they don't already know those impacts and taking advantage of the resources that they have to do more around these issues so that politicians do listen and engage with them and try to earn their vote. That gives me a lot of things to think about that I had not thought about. I, I like how you rephrased it, what's not on your mind. There are so many things. I was recently reading Michelle Obama's book, The Light We Carry, and this freaked me out because we're only a year apart in age, but she said women had to get their husband's permission to get a credit card when she was uh, in grade school. And I went, wait, that didn't happen, did it? So in some ways we've come so far and in some ways we have so far to come. And so I wanna hear you talk a little bit about the resources that are available to students on our campus who care about these things. Yeah, thanks for that. And, and that is true, the credit card issue for real. So here in the Women's Center, like I said, we have four pillars that we work on. We do education, advocacy, support, and leadership development. And some of our programs cross multiple pieces of that framework. But just some of the things that I would just point out are things like Feminist Friday. Those are peer-led conversations that happen in our space every other Friday during the academic year and really speak to what I talked about at the beginning where students approach us with a topic, whether that is climate change or young adult literature or women in sports, trans issues, and really work with our staff to examine it from a gender equity and social justice framework, pick a theory within women and gender studies and sexuality studies, 
and be able to have a communication and a conversation with their peers around that for you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And it's a really great entry point for students to get to learn about different topics that they might not have considered have an impact or a connection or a link to gender equity and social justice issues. And so coming to those every other Friday is a great opportunity. And we've seen also as students participate as attendees, they start to get the bug and then they want to become a facilitator of that program and come with their own topic. Um, So that's a really great entry point, as I mentioned. We also have dedicated programming on our, within our women's center focused on women of color. So we do every year a women of color retreat that really seeks to create a sense of community for women of color on our campus. We are a very, very large campus, as you know, very decentralized. It can be really easy to get lost in the shuffle. And so creating dedicated spaces where Women of color can have an opportunity to come together, network, meet each other, learn about resources, and and develop a sense of like solidarity and sisterhood with other women of color on our campus. We also have a monthly drop-in group in partnership with Prevention Services called The Collective, which is an actually an outgrowth of our Women of Color Retreat, which is just once a year. So folks who participated in that really were looking for an ongoing commitment, ways that they could get together with that community throughout the year. So that is another opportunity that we really take different topics that they're interested in, whether that's financial literacy or reproductive health or imposter syndrome, whatever it happens to be, and either bring in speakers or cultivate a program that really speaks to that issue. In addition, we have Feminist Book Club is something that we started last spring. One of our assistant directors resurrected it. It's our first one since COVID when we went online. And so we do that. We're probably going to do that once a semester. And that's like a small cohort model. We're open to anyone, actually. Most of our programming is student-centered. Book club actually is open to anyone. So faculty and staff are also welcome to participate. We really dive into a particular genre of either fiction or nonfiction and really examine it from a feminist lens and have a conversation with each other. We also do things like Women's History Month in March, and we put on programming for that. In addition, we have Domestic Violence Awareness Month in October, Stalking Awareness Month in January, and Sexual Assault Awareness Month in April. And those are all meant to really educate our campus on just how pervasive interpersonal violence is, how we can support survivors, and how we can change culture, not just on our campus, but within our families, within our friends, within the larger collective community. And then one other resource I would mention is our kind of bridging off of the the awareness months is we do have trained advocates in the Women's Center who are there to support students who disclose an incident of domestic or dating violence, sexual assault, sexual harassment, or anything of that nature, stalking. So our trained advocates will help students understand what their rights and their options are. If they choose to report either to the university or to law enforcement, we'll help them through that process. We can accompany them to get seek medical care or, again, to uh, actual interviews with law enforcement or with our Title IX office. We can work to uh, secure emergency housing if someone needs to relocate pretty quickly. And we also have financial support for students who may need additional financial funding to cover things like legal services or co-pays for off-campus counseling. And then we also do academic accommodations and can help students navigate those kind of conversations with their faculty members when they might need a little bit of extra time 
because of their experience. So those are just kind of some of the resources that we offer. And I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but uh, you know, anybody is welcome to also go onto our webpage and read in more depth about any of the, the programs or the services that I've mentioned or, or even those that I might've forgotten. Incredible. There is so much in what you just said, and I will link up in the show notes so that everyone can take advantage of all of these things. The Feminist Friday sounds so fun. How many people show up for that? Is it like a big group or is it more intimate? It's, it tends to be more intimate. It depends on the topic and what time of year it is. So we are really trying to program around student schedules. This year, we're actually shifting the time a little earlier in the day. So it'll be one to two o'clock. But it can be anywhere from five to 20 students um, who show up for that. It's meant to be, you know, if, if anybody's ever been in our space, it's a lounge space, couches and chairs. It's meant to be kind of like an informal space that um, the student facilitator can engage in interactive. It's not meant to be like just lecture and I'm here and you're just kind of here absorbing the information. So we kind of circle up. And so it's meant to be like a more intimate kind of group. Oh, that sounds fun. I love your space. It's it's just so welcoming. What is a quick tip you have for someone that is attempting to amplify their voice? Yeah, be persistent, I guess. I think so often, particularly young people are discredited or diminished because people think they don't have enough experience or they don't hold a title or a degree of a certain status. But what I, you know, I come from a long line of working with young people in the nonprofit world as well. And what we always advocate for is, like I said earlier, like young people are leaders. You are the expert in your own experience. And generational differences aside, everybody experiences things at different times in different ways. And so what I might have experienced at, you know, when I was college age, maybe quite different. And it actually is quite different from what folks are experiencing now in Gen Z. So I think being persistent and not letting older folks just discount or discredit you is really important to continue to articulate and strengthen your voice and think about different messages that may resonate with different people. So, and that's really going to depend on what your topic is and who the audience is, but really thinking like if you're not making headway with one direction, maybe rethinking the, the language that you're using to figure out another way that might resonate with folks. And when people are struggling with this, Janine, can they make an appointment with someone in your office to talk this through? Sure. I mean, folks are like definitely able, you know, if you want to stop by the center and check out our programming, certainly no appointment is necessary for that. I, we do have a specific appointment system for our survivor support services. So those typically cannot be walk-in because we have limited capacity to meet demand. And then for anybody else who's really thinking of anything outside of a disclosure of violence, but really thinking about how to amplify their voice, certainly you can go on our webpage and see if there's a particular staff member who might be best aligned to work with you and reach out to them. Or we also have a generic Women's Center email that is also a great way to get in contact with us. And somebody within our staff will determine maybe who's the best fit to respond to that and get back to folks. I love that. I, it sounds like dropping by is is the number one thing. Everybody's popping into Tally to get some howling cow. So go on up to the fifth floor. And as we close out, Janine, what is your favorite flavor? It has fluctuated a bit over time, but I would say right now it is chocolate chip cookie dough or just cookie dough, whatever it's called. Cookie dough cannot go wrong. Thank you, Janine Cawson. 
Thank you, Marcy. I appreciate it.